Hi there. Welcome to Living in Your Vision. I'm your host, Haley Miller, and if you stumbled upon this podcast, it was certainly by no accident. You finding this podcast means you are ready to fully embody your most authentic desires and your most authentic self. My guests and I are here to guide you and provide you tools to step in to the reality you've always dreamed of having. There's no more holding back. There's no more what ifs. There's no more I can'ts. This is your gateway to learning how to not hold back any longer. And with that being said, let's drop in. Oh man, you are in for a treat today. Yes, Miss Riley Snyder is on the podcast today. And when I say inspiration, that is such an understatement for what Riley has accomplished and done in her life. She is a Missouri local who found her dream and desires across the world in Kenya. And at age 14, she really began her journey. And still at this young age, she has continued to allow herself to lean into those desires, step into her power, and make her dreams a reality. I'm so excited to have her here today. And without further ado, Miss Riley Snyder. How old are you again, Riley? I'm 24. That is... That is so crazy to me as I've followed your journey since, I mean, not since you were like 14 and when all this began, but really like when I was introduced to you, I was so amazed to hear a person at such a young age really step into something they really wanted to do and you you fell all in. And now as a 24 year old, you have a book, you're a speaker, you have your own thrift shop and an amazing nonprofit organization in Kenya. Such an inspiration. Your journey really started on a mission trip, is that right? Yes, when I was 13. Yes, so I uh, I got to go on a mission trip to Kenya with my dad. So my uncle was serving with Doctors Without Borders for six months with his wife and then um, their child, who wasn't even a year old yet. And so I remembered, you know, thinking mission work sounded really cool, but I never really thought that that was something that I would do. He was like the really cool uncle that would go and do all these mission trips and you'd come back or or he would come back and be like you know we did this we got to see this and I'm like oh that's so cool but I never thought like I would go and do that and so I remembered then they were mentioning that they were getting ready to go for six months which is the longest stint that they had ever been doing a medical mission and so I remembered thinking it'd be really cool if we could go and visit them and so I was sitting in the car one day with my mom and I said well what do you think about me going and visiting Logan and Julie over in Kenya and she didn't really say anything at first I could tell she was thinking about it obviously that's what parents do but um so she was like you know I don't really see why not this is probably the best opportunity for you to even get to go overseas and do something like this because we have family members there and so it took a lot of fundraising and a lot of sacrifice um obviously because that was that was a really expensive trip for our family. That's not just like something that we could just like wing it and go. Um, and so my dad ended up going with me for two weeks to Kenya. So that's how we first got started there. That's so amazing. And how cool is it that your mom was like, okay, yeah, let's get her out there. Cause I mean, I personally believe that when people are exposed to like different cultures like that, um, and just into those experiences, we can really expand um, our knowledge in that way, in such a different way than we learned through like the school system. I just find that so fascinating and amazing that your parents were open to that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, there are still times I'm like, wow, I can't believe my mom said yes, because there's so many other things that my mom has said no to. And I'm like, well, that's really not, there's not like the same level, but okay. (laughs) 
maybe your mom just like knew, you know, I think a lot of times, um, that calling comes to us and we're like, okay, yeah, that she needs to go. Or your, your mom's like, just has that gut intuition feeling like, okay, Riley's about to, she doesn't know what you're about to do, but she knows that there's something over there. Amazing. So yeah. Yeah. They're funny how parents know that. So that's cool. So when you go to the mission trip, right, you with, or you're with your dad and you go and visit in Kenya, what is it there in that moment that you were like, wow, like this really turned everything around for me as far as like my perspective and what I want to do. <laughs> it's there was, you know, there's like the one moment that you have, but then like the whole trip itself is just, it's just so different from anything that I've seen or experienced. Uh, the first week we were there, I remembered we were helping out in the neonatal unit and we were feeding babies, newborn babies. And the very first time I went in there, I was like doing the best I can. And I look back now as like a 24 year old who's, you know, I'm still young, obviously. Um, and I look back at my 13 year old self and I'm like, so proud of her because I think about myself now and I think, oh, I can't believe she did that knowing how she was and who she was. And, you know, she walked into that room and she's like, I'm just going to do the best I can. And so, um, I remember being really overwhelmed. I was hot. I was sweaty. I'm trying to feed a newborn baby as a 13 year old girl. And in my head, like I'm like responsible for her. So if I break her, it's my fault. And so I remember getting so overwhelmed that I put her back down. I walked outside and I passed out. And this is my first day serving. Like, this is like, this is my first opportunity to get to like show myself. And so I walked out there, passed out. My aunt was like, okay, like, let's get you back down to the house. It took like forever because you know, were walking everywhere and the house wasn't super close to the hospital, definitely within walking distance. But when you're tired and weak, you know, it's harder. And so uh, I remember being like super disappointed in myself like that evening and being like, okay, you only had to like serve in this way today and already you couldn't do it. And I I was just so bummed, but you know, my aunt and my uncle and my dad, they're like, you know what to expect like this next time, you know, you'll go into it knowing what it's about and you know what to do. And so again, we went in and we ended up beating triplets and it got better from there. And then I went to a primary school with my dad where we stayed and we were helping like first and second graders learn English. And so the teacher would write on the blackboard, like a small word, like ball. And it was my job to go around the table and make sure that they spelt it out in their notebooks um, a couple of times. And the very first student I got to had this super short little stubby pencil. Um, and I was looking around for another writing utensil and there wasn't anything. And eventually we were just working with what we have and I move on to the next student. And I noticed that the student that I had just helped pass their little pencil onto the student I was getting ready to help. So it ended up that all 10 of my kids used this little pencil. And I also found out that, you know, they have public school systems in Kenya, but that doesn't mean it's free. And right. so it's hard for me to see that there are kids who finally have school fees and are sitting in a classroom, but they don't even have like any writing utensils to be able to sit there and write it in their notebook and learn properly. And so of course, as a 13 year old girl who didn't necessarily love school, like I, you know, I was definitely one of those people. I was like, mom, can you please just homeschool me? So I don't have to keep going there. And so I, you know, I realized I really took for granted really everything in my life in, in that one moment of just like looking for a pencil. And so that's when we, you know, I kept telling my mom, I was like, I really want to go back. I want to go back. I loved it. And she goes, well, what are you going to do this time? And 
or this next time. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know for sure. Other than I just loved being there. Like I just loved being with those people and I loved serving. And so she was like, well, you keep talking about this pencil moment. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess we could do school supplies. I'm a 13 year old. Like I can definitely find some school supplies. It's cheap enough. And so that's what all started generation next. Wow. One pencil. That is so mind blowing because over here in our world, like in America, we, that's like not even something that would ever cross our minds. You know, I mean, talk about a culture shock and seeing that and witnessing like how limited these kids are compared to like what we have over here. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wondered what it would be like to put some of those kids like in our school system and just, just kind of watch them blossom in a way that maybe isn't available to them there. I think it's really fascinating that it took that pencil to really spark that inspiration for you to be like, these kids need education. These kids need a school. And you brought that to them. You brought that to them. And so what year did that start? When did that all begin? So the school started, oh, I believe it was 2016, which is weird because it feels like it's a lot longer. <laughs> like it feels like that was a lot longer away, but it's, it's 2021. We started the school because, you know, doing school supplies is great, um, but the need for education was a much deeper level. And so we thought, well, we'll just, we'll try a school. Like that's all we ever said. Well, we'll at least try it and see how we do. And um, again, it just, everything from the beginning has grown in a way that I didn't think it was possible for it to, or that I never really had the intention for it to. But yeah, so we started a school. We're Generation Next Academy. We have 278 kids right now. A lot of our kids were not attending school before because of school fees. Um, and so it's uh, all of our funds are raised through sponsorship. And so we have a $35 a month sponsorship for each kid. We just do a one for one. So one sponsor to one student. We think that's really important. And um, it's $35 a month and it covers school fees like testing sports we do uniforms they get two meals a day we pay all of our teachers salary teacher and the rest of the staff and pretty much anything else random that comes up sometimes you know a kid trips and falls and we got to take them to get stitches or you know whatever right. else <laughs> so um but yeah it's just grown tremendously it's crazy <laughs> that is crazy and since 16 I mean that's just more kids getting education and getting to helping the next generation, which I think came into a title. What I read in what I read in your book is that's how you came up with the title, starting with these kids and with these kids, it'll lead on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. The, just one generation net, hopefully helping coming back and helping the next generation. So, so as far as like, you know, really stepping into, okay, I'm going to create this school in Kenya. These kids need an education and you knew that you could do that and provide with a little bit of hard work and the faith that you have. And of course, you know, there's some resistance because, you know, we grow up in this American space and we're like, oh, we got to go to college and then we're going to get a house and get married and have kids and a dog, you know, lifestyle. Did you imagine your life originally that way before even imagining something like beyond the regular American lifestyle? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I know a lot of people, I was very shy, very quiet. I didn't talk much in school. I tried to, or I would ask teachers if it was okay, if I would just could have lunch and like 
their classroom instead of having to go and sit like in the lunchroom or different things like that. So no, I never imagined anything like this for myself. I was like, oh, that's for like really outgoing, like really cool people. (laughs) And so, you know, of course my whole life I've been told, you know, you're going to go to college and then you're going to do this and then you're going to do this because this is the way, this is the typical way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, choosing to not do the typical thing at 13, I could already see in, you know, in high school, how that was affecting like my friendships or my connections with other people, um, because it was like, Oh, that's a little weird. Um, so, you know, I just had a hard time connecting with people because this is, I was really passionate about this and most people were ready to go to the football game on Friday night. And it's crazy how, how as a 13 year old girl, my whole life has changed because I would never, I would never feel comfortable sitting here talking to you or getting up in front of a group of people and talking. Um, but I had a teacher one time, you know, was talking to me and he goes, well, why do you get nervous? And I was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. I just, I just get nervous. Like these are people. And he goes, well, you're an expert in your field. I said, he's like, you're the only one that knows your story and the way it's going. So why should you be nervous? You know, you can't be worried about what people are going to say or think. And so um, I'm like, yeah, you're right. And he goes, and you love it. You're passionate about it. And you want to share it with people. And I was like, you're absolutely right. So it's just like a total different mindset to be like, you know, I know all about this, but I really want to share it with people because it's on my heart and it's what I'm passionate about, but just proof that, you know, God can take someone like me who's small and shy and quiet, who probably, you know, a lot of people didn't expect very much from, and he can use her in big ways. And so I think that that's really important to make sure that people understand and that it's, you know, that I share that about myself. Oh my gosh. I love that. Was your teacher told you that that is so amazing. And how old were you when you heard that? I was in high school. So he was my favorite teacher. I was like, I think I was maybe 17, even when he said it. So I've heard something very similar to that. And I think hearing that at a younger age makes obviously such a huge impact. You know, we don't have to follow this, this straight path because the way that we want to go, you know, we can listen to all these experts on how to get there, but really at the end of the day, we know what's best for us and we know what path we truly need to follow, but all this noise and who you should be gets really loud. And I think it's amazing that your teacher stepped in and said that to you. And that's really yeah. special. Yeah, he was pretty great. Yeah, great in my opinion, but <laughs> yeah, definitely. So as far as moving forward with that, so whenever you would come up with that resistance, like, oh, who am I to do this? Who am I to open up this school in a whole nother country, like across the world? What got you through those moments of, okay, who am I? It's been interesting because it's such a weird thing to go through at a young age because you're trying to figure out who you are anyways, without, you know, a bunch of other things going on without trying to be distracted. And so I think, man, that's kind of a hard question. Cause you're, you know, in your mind, you're like, I am the way I am just because of, you know, what's happened. But like, I've also chose a lot of different paths. So it hasn't been easy to say the least, like there are times where it was like, oh, I just want to blend in. Like I would just rather choose to do what's easy. And, you know, why, you know, and there are even times now as a 23, 24 year old that I'm like, okay, like, why don't I just stay at, you know, stay in America and have a normal job and, you know, have, have a sense of ease in life. You know, I tell a lot of people, whenever we're staying there, when we're living there, it's kind of hard because, 
you never really know what's around the corner. And so a lot of times I find myself just living a little bit on the edge and just feeling like I always got to be prepared for someone being right behind my shoulder. And so, um, I feel like a lot of times that can make people or it can harden people or make them skeptical. And I think if anything, I've learned that, you know, life each day, like the next day, there's nothing I'm going to be able to do about what happens tomorrow. I can only be so focused on what's going to happen today and do my best today. And so I used to grow up being super worried and having plan A, B, and C for tomorrow or next week. And I've really changed my outlook on life on just living for today and being focused on how I can do my best today, because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So why should I dwell on something or be worried about this when I can be wholly focused on what I can do best today? So that's, I think that's changed a lot since I was young, because like I said, I was definitely a worry wart and I was always just worried about what somebody was going to think about me or what I needed to do to control every situation. And then I've grown up and I've gotten to live and spend more time in Kenya and just realize that, you know, you're not in control. Like God's got everything under control. It's your job to do the work and let him be in control. Yes. I love that because, you know, we grow up wanting to do things a certain way because that's what we're taught. You know, you, like we talked about earlier, you know, you go to high school, then you go to college and then da, 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 da. But it's like not really how it works. And it really doesn't align with who we are because we're taught to do these things. And then we come up against this resistance of like, oh shoot, like, I don't want to do any of that, that I was taught my whole life. And so then there's a lot of like questioning. It's like, okay, well then I don't know what I'm going to do. What if I go this way? And there's so much unknown, but there's so much beauty in the unknown because when you are in that present moment, and like you said, just like let God, the universe, whoever like come in and just trust the process and be present where you are that is what's really going to carry you to the future because you know as much as we want to try to plan and control how our future is going to be we can't and what we bring to the table today is what comes up in the future I think I think it's important for people to recognize that the unknown is okay and it's not scary and being in the present moment is really what it's all about yeah exactly Yeah, I think that's really good. I, you know, I guess a lot of people, and I guess I don't think about it that way anymore is that the unknown is scary. And so for me, it's just, it's just unknown. And so I don't look at it in a way that I fear it anymore. It's just something I don't know. And I'll find out eventually. Um, So some people probably don't like love that mindset and it's probably a hard one to get into. Um, But yeah, you don't, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do everything just because that's how it's always been done, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's like, if that's the way that you're going to live your life, like that's great for you. But, you know, I hope that you are able to look outside of what is typical or what's expected of you and find something so much more extraordinary. And that's so powerful because you are literally living proof at a 24 year old that this is all possible and you can change the lives of so many people. And I think each of us have this amazing gift, whether that's even going through college or going out and starting a nonprofit in Kenya or traveling and making a vlog on YouTube. Like, you know, there's such a gift in each of those that serves to people. And I think when we come in tune with who we are and just live for who we are without that planning and that straight path direction, we are going to fall into how we're going to serve and fall into our gift. Exactly. Yeah. There's so much bravery in just choosing to try something, whether or not, you know, it's going to 
going to make it or whether or not it's going to fail. Even if you fail, like you did it, you did so much more than what a lot of other people are doing. And I think that people forget that failure isn't bad. Like we learn from our failures. And so, you know, whether you make it as your travel blogger, awesome. If you don't, you did it. Like you went out and you tried it and you don't have to worry about or think about it for the rest of your life, whether or not what would have happened. Oh, I didn't, you know, I wish I would have tried that. Like, no, like don't live your life in that way. Just be like, I'm going to do it. And if somebody talks, you know, bad or it's like, oh, well, you didn't, you know, it didn't work out for you. It doesn't matter. You went out there and you tried. And there are a lot of people out there in the world that aren't even going to be brave enough to go out there and just try it. Absolutely. And we aren't always given that extra support or that extra push to go out to have that bravery, you know? So it's really ultimately up to us to really change and recognize what's around us. What situation are we in? Do we really like what we're doing? Do we feel aligned in our path and really ask ourselves these questions? And then I'm going to give it a try, you know, for example, me, this is my first guest podcast. Do I have (laughs) any idea what I'm doing? Not really, but you know, it's about trying it and doing it. And if people don't like it, if things are messy, that's okay. Being messy through these processes is acceptable. You know, we're taught to not make mistakes through school. And, you know, oftentimes even like society parents, like all of these things teach us not to make mistakes. But like you said, failures, we learn so much more from those. Showing up for yourself and just doing it is really what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. And once you just like step over that hump of fear and get that little ounce of bravery for those 10 seconds, go in and do it. And it feels amazing afterwards. Cause then you find out more of who you are, what you like, does this, is this going to work? And yeah, boy, is it an amazing feeling. It is. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be like maybe those big steps. Like you can start small, you know, I, I tell people this all the time, like, you don't want to try it or you don't think you like it, but have you, you know, you haven't tried it. So it's like, oh, well try that new food or go talk to that random person or introduce yourself or, you know what, jump off the bridge and bungee jump, you know, like just small steps. I say that like bungee jumping is a small thing to do. It's kind of big, <laughs> but I mean, if you think about it, like you start taking those small steps in trying and doing new things, like you're going to start seeing like, oh, I can do those things that I don't think I like. And then you find out, oh, I like this or I don't, but you know, those are really small things, but you know, sometimes we need to take those smaller steps to make ourselves believe that we can work up to the big step. I think back to like when I was little and my mom would, she'd give me something. I'd be like, I don't like that. And she's like, you've never even tried it. Now I reflect to myself now and I'm like, well, that's such a limiting belief that I have in my life currently too, not with just food. Stepping into this podcast, for example, like, it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I could be like, well, I don't know. So that's it. Show up and do it. It's like, oh, okay. I actually do really like it. And that's when you try that piece of like vegetable that your mom's trying to hand to you. And it's like, oh, okay. This broccoli is pretty good. Like it's not that bad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good analogy. I feel like, but yeah, mine's kimchi. So there you go. Broccoli, (laughs) kimchi, either way. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's great. So going back to Generation Next, so can you guys, can you give us a little bit more background on like what Generation Next is? I know you kind of stepped into it a little bit. What exactly is this foundation? So we are a registered 501c3 nonprofit, and um, our goal really was to just do school supplies. Um, and it 
it grew. We do school supplies for other schools. We also do hygiene kits for young girls that are in secondary school. So um, a lot of times girls um, will turn to prostitution during their off months of high school um, to get all the things that girls need. It's required that you bring those things for the three months that you're in school. So you have to bulk buy all of this to go to school. And a lot of girls, of course, you know, it's hard to have a, a consistent job when you go to school for three months and then you're off for a month. It's it's just tough. And we decided that we wanted to try and meet that need by providing hygiene kits to um, the local high school girls. Um, and even some of our primary girls, it just depends on, on what we found out. Mm-hmm. And so we do that. We also do our school. We really just try to meet whatever need walks through our door. You know, we have so many different things every day. I told my mom, like every day I went into school with like a plan. It was like, okay, I have, I have to get this done in the office. I need to do this in the office. And then like a bunch of stuff would come up and it's like, okay, I'm not, let's just swipe the laptop off the computer. We got a lot of field work to do today. And so, which makes it fun, which makes it exciting. Um, but yeah, our, our goal is just to try and meet people where they're at. And it's, you know, there's a lot of opinions, about, you know, giving school supplies or giving hygiene kits, you know, they don't need handouts. And I'm like, I, I understand that, you know, but these are also kids. And so I think there's a lot to be said about being willing to give people those things. Um, I'm not saying, you know, if someone, I have some people who come in and they're like, oh, I, I need school fees for my kid. And I was like, well, great. Well, you can come and work as a groundskeeper at school for this period of time until you then can pay for your kid's school fees at this place, you know, because a lot of times we're only a primary school, we're not a high school. And so a lot of our parents, you know, have their younger kids here, but then they're still trying to pay for their high school kids. I can see where there's sometimes resistance there, um, but we are also, you know, providing education and providing jobs and things along those lines. And so that's kind of been a bit of a sort of like a roadblock, a small one. Uh, but, you know, we just kind of explain what our belief system is in that. And we're like, okay, you know, as long as, you know, you believe what you believe and I believe what I believe and that's what we're, we're all just trying to do our best. And so I think like, it's hard when you, we have, especially people here in the States, you know, come up to me and they're like, I don't understand why you're working in Kenya. There are plenty of people here in your own country that need help. I'm like, okay, well, yes, you're correct. Um, but you know, most people have never seen like the level of poverty in Kenya and it's nowhere near comparable to the level level of poverty here. I think I said Kenya. Yeah. But uh, Mm -hmm. you know, here in America, I sometimes have a hard time, like trying to relate that to people. Like it's seriously, my, my kids are sleeping on the dirt and they, you know, they live in trashy, holy clothes that America ships over, (laughs) you know, to these third world countries. Like, like you have no clue. It's hard to just translate that to people. And so I try to be really patient because it's okay. Like they don't understand. So I just have to be like, it's okay. You don't understand, you know, this and that's fine with me. So sort of, sometimes I do get frustrated depending on the day, but I really do try and like have a positive attitude, you know, when people express their opinions in that way. I really appreciate you saying that because you're right. People don't understand. And it's hard when you want to go take after something, you know, like this amazing journey that you're on, you know, people are like, oh, well, these people need help in here and here and here. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that need help. And your calling is in Kenya, but you know what? Somebody else's job is to drop into themselves and they will go help these people in America. I feel like we all have a job and we will all contribute to things, but like your position is Kenya. 
people just kind of look at as like, oh, it divided by like the country aspect. And they're just like, mm -hmm. oh, you need to be in your own country. It's like, well, that's that's not where my heart is. My heart's over here. And that is absolutely okay. Because yeah. that's where you're meant to be. Yeah, I think it's hard when people like start dividing us up by country. It's like, okay, but we're still human beings. You know, you still need to treat people how you would like to be treated. Or, you know, if you're in this situation, wouldn't you hope that someone could help you out here? Um, so I think like we're often too concerned with the borders that we're living in instead of being concerned with that we're all human beings and we're all on the same playing field or we should all be on, you know, treated as though we're on the same playing field. When you're exposed to things like that, your mind expands so much more and you are so much more open-minded to how these other people are living and really recognize that we are all human beings. It's not just like America and Kenya and all these other countries. It's like, we're, we're a world, we're humans and we all need to help and contribute in different ways, whether that's in our country or outside of our country. Exactly. Um, and your struggles as you go through those, like, you know, like you said, this isn't easy and this is an ongoing process. This keeps going. And I think we often, as people, we forget that, you know, we always look for that end point and we're like, okay, I just want to get here, but there's no finish mm -hmm. line to it because if we look for a finish line, then we're not really enjoying the process of what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. And then we aren't showing up in our service. Yeah, exactly. Riley, this has been so awesome. And I'm so grateful, seriously, I'm so grateful that you showed up you. and you're here and so great to meet you. So could you tell us like where we can find you as far as like social media, uh, your book, all of those good things? Yes. So we have um, a Generation Next Cares Instagram. Um, we don't post on there as much as like we do our Facebook page. Um, our Facebook page is just Generation Next. And we post pretty much daily on there just to let people know like what's going on in the country or what we're up to just to kind of keep people always in the loop, especially donors and sponsors. And then we have a website called generationnextcares.org. Again, you can find all of our information on there, a lot of our projects. You can contact us through there. And um, as far as the book, you can go to Amazon. I'm pretty sure you can still order it from Barnes & Noble. I know they sold it at Walmart as well. It was, it was sold pretty well anywhere that books are sold, either online. You can also buy it from our website as well. Thank you again so much, Riley. This has been amazing. And I'm so honored to have you as my first guest. Thank you. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case nobody told you today, you are amazing, you are loved, and you are so, so capable of living in your authentic desires. Your time is so valuable, and I am so grateful that you spent it here with me today. I'd love to know how this episode made you feel. So DM me on Instagram. I'm, I'm wide open. And... I'd love to hear your suggestions as well. It would really mean the world to me. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I will see you next time.